0: Hello, and thank you for choosing to listen to this podcast, which is brought to you through a partnership between the Tennessee Early Intervention System and the Treatment and Research Institute for Autism Spectrum Disorders. My name is Kristen Doris, and I am an educational consultant at Triad. Today, I'm so pleased to be joined by Jessica Stallings. Jessica is a speaker, author, and the president of Regenerations, an organization that bridges generational gaps to build a better future. Jessica's passion for generational connections sparked through her leadership roles in talent development and corporate communications for Alpha Natural Resources, a former Fortune 500 company, and through her role as a nationally syndicated news reporter and producer for a focus on the family radio show. Jessica graduated from King University with degrees in English and communication. She captained the volleyball team as an academic All-American and has been honored among professional and Olympic athletes. Jessica... I am so excited to be in this moment with you. Your sessions have really impacted my work and life in a profound way, and I'm so grateful for the opportunity to share this conversation with our listeners. Would you begin maybe by talking to us about some of the information you've been sharing at the conference? Well,
1: thank you so much, Kristen. It's wonderful to see you, see you, wonderful to be with you today. And yes, it's my joy to get out and talk about how we can understand and connect across generations to build better outcomes. So it's awesome to be at this conference today, and I appreciate so much the mission and the difference that early interventionists are, are making in the lives of kids and families and in our communities. And so when you think about it, um, when, when you're going out and, and to work with, with different families, you're interacting with All kinds of different generations, grandparents and parents and and kids, and the ability to kind of understand and and connect becomes really important. What's interesting about generations is when we talk about them, um, Kristen, we're looking at the social and cultural influences that impact a group of people, called a generation or a cohort, as they're coming of age. Um, So it's similar to but different than life stage. So that shifts and ebbs and flows throughout our different decades as our priorities change Thank <laughs> you. What's really interesting about this generational topic is that it's enduring, and that means it follows us throughout all of our life stages, which is why we take time to understand it. Um, Right now, there's a lot of friction across generations, and it it makes sense when you think about the vast amount of change we've experienced from technology disruption to social norms shifting to the communication channels we use. Um, I was doing a training recently, we talked about moments of a generation and we had a, a baby boomer excited as she talked about the moonwalk and before she could finish a really excited 30-something said oh my gosh the moonwalk I love that dance and so when we look across these different time periods our words and phrases and expectations can mean different things and so without the right lens or understanding they can come together and clash even when everyone means well. So we've been looking at how we can actually utilize a generational lens to better better understand, relate to, and communicate with all members
0: of our families so that we can ultimately drive your awesome mission forward. That's so great to hear, Jessica. And something that I've been... We've been spending a lot of time thinking about, um, and I think you talk about it in your 201 session, is about generational inclusion and how we can use a truly type of mindset model when we're thinking about working with families with all of these generational influences at play, how we can bridge those things with the mindset model, um, the generational fluency mindset model. Would you kind of talk a little bit more about your applications of that? Yeah, you
1: bet. You just make my heart flutter as you're talking <sighs> about this, because, you know, the reality is when we talk about generations, there's a, lot, there's a lot of noise out there about this topic. and And so we're looking a lot at, at generational diversity, which means kind of understanding and appreciating these differences. Very few are thinking of how do we actually bring them together, moving from generational diversity to inclusion in ways that actually are, 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 are less conflict, a lot more cohesion, collaboration, and what I believe can be innovation. And so generational fluency is um, a four-step tool. It's a mindset model that can be applied in situations when, I mean, let's be honest, it, it can drive you nuts, right? When when these generational dynamics uh, start happening and someone maybe rubs you the wrong way. A common example I see, Kristen, is over what I call the why collision. I have um, seasoned generations saying, my goodness, why is this next generation questioning everything? Don't they respect my authority as a leader? And I've got the next generation texting and saying, oh my gosh, Jessica, what's up with these leaders? Why are they shutting down my ideas? Don't they want Uh, to to hear them and so both are coming in with with different lenses so generational fluency enables us to understand both of those perspectives and to begin to think about how we combine them for breakthrough new realities so the steps are that when when you encounter a situation maybe that why collision that we're going to pause i mean if you've ever been in a situation where where someone says something and it just bothers you on a deep level um, we could go into fight or, or flight and if you've ever responded in those situations like I have, I would not recommend it. <laughs> so when we pause, we're giving ourselves a brain space to kind of process and ask why, what is going on here? Why does this bother me so much? Um, is this person a different age than me? Could growing up in a different time period be, be impacting th- this point of friction. So we always want to start with a pause, you know, um, Viktor Frankl, Holocaust survivor and psychiatrist talks about a lot. There's a space between our stimulus and the response and in that space, yeah, we choose right what we do with it and there's power. So there's power in pausing. The next step, Kristen is the one I find to be the hardest. It's called a filter check. And what that means is really taking time to assess why do, why am I viewing this situation the way that I am? what is impacting my lens? This is a a paradigm, right? It's, it's a lot of things come to shape our paradigms. Like a good pair of glasses, it impacts the way that we, we see the world. And we begin to filter things in a certain way, based on our past experiences, generation, geography, you know, ethnicity, family background, life experiences, hurt, hardship, insecurities. And and so we can begin to filter things down and see things in a certain way that may or may not be true. And so we have to be really brave to say, huh, how's my lens? Um, just like going to the eye doctor to, to check your prescription or to make sure your eye exam is you're still at that 2020 mm-hmm. it's just a good practice to build in so when we're in that 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 layer of of filter checking we also want to check for biases and biases are just things that we're we're either we're kind of filtering towards something um, and, and that we're for or against something. And it's, it's typically known for, for being against something. And so we have conscious and unconscious bias. Um, unconscious bias is we all do it. We all come into the room with, with the lens and we're seeing um, the world. It's kind of a way of taking a lot of information that we're exposed to at any one moment, but our brain can only handle 40. So we began to filter it down. It's a way to make decisions. Um, it's a way to, um, to to be alert and aware. So an example I give is um, I, I recently bought my first toilet.
0: Uh, yeah. I know, it's really <laughs> impressive,
1: right? It's hashtag adulting. Mm-hmm. Um, and before this experience, I never ever would think about a toilet or never uh, go to a bathroom and fixate on it. But in a, in a season when I'm making a decision about which one to buy, you better bet everywhere I went, like, wow, would you check out that elongated bowl? That's looking good. Or look <laughs> at that round one. So it's it's kind of like if you're looking for a car, you want to buy a car, you start seeing that car everywhere. That's unconscious bias. So we need to be aware of it and, and, and check and make sure that it's, it's in a good place biases when we are making a hard decision that okay this is um, the only way to see something. So elongated toilet bowls, bowls are the only type of toilet bowls that are that are best for America. That's where we have to be really careful. Mm-hmm. So Kristen, it's interesting. Every scientific breakthrough happens at the paradigm level, yet we rarely pause to see how our filter is is doing. And so in this step, it takes a lot of courage. We may go in and we may need to see, wow, we need to update our our lens, it's a bit fuzzy in there. That can be scary and hard, but it's so important to do. We can also have blind spots, so having a trusted friend or an advisor help us can go a long way. So we pause, we make brain space to to think about things rationally, then we're going to check our own filter, and then we're gonna take a step back And this is called perspective taking. And this simply means uh, considering other points of view. Could there be another way of viewing the same situation? And is it bad or wrong? Or is it just different? Could it actually be used to make us stronger? So when we do perspective taking, we we consider, wow, what could it be like for that person? So could it be that growing up in in, in a time period where we use a, a tape player and we have to stop hit, rewind, put it over, then the tape comes out everywhere, that, that maybe when we come into a, a communication or into the workforce or into a family situation that um, our expectations aren't, aren't that it's rapidly taken care of. Or if we grew up in a time period with the tap of an app, you know, you've got non-GMO Panera delivered to your doorstep with a drone, like it's <laughs> it's going to be a different expectation set. Not one is right or wrong, but it's that process of imagining Um, what it could be like, or as Covey talks a lot about in his work, it's seeking to understand right before we are understood. So we pause, we filter check, we step back, and then comes the final uh, step in the model is adapting. This is really thinking through how we can meet the other person where they are and or combine our perspectives to create more innovative solutions. So when we think about adapting, three kind of ways I, I think about it, Kristen, one is is commonalities. I mean, oh my gosh, we have way more in common than we do different, even across generations. All this this friction and everything we're seeing, it's, it's actually we want the same things. We're just going about it with different styles. So a good example of this is, let's say each generation were like Nike and you see the Nike brand. We all just want to do it, right? This, just do it. We're all on board with that. Boomers would maybe say, just do it. Xers would say, why do it? And millennials would be like, oh, snap, you know, we just did it. So, but we all want to do it. But we're bringing in these different styles. So we want to start with the things we have in common. It's also called drawing the larger circle. It's what we see a lot in peace talks of like, okay, we see totally different ways of, of leading the world forward. Um, but we can agree on the fact that we want the world to be a better place. And we, we can agree that we love our grandkids and we want to leave something awesome for them. So that's where we start. So when we adapt, start with commonalities. Um, The second is kind of moving our thinking between this or that to this and that. Uh, Maybe it's not yes, but it's yes and. And this type of thinking, maybe we could mentor and reverse mentor, meaning that we all can learn from from each other, and this is a powerful shift. Malcolm Gladwell, a really great author, thought leader, paradigm shifter, talks about in in the workforce and he looks at how movements are organized from the civil rights movement to occupy Wall Street to how different generations form in the workplace. And he talks about the hierarchy model um, that we saw in the civil rights movement in the the boomers and then the um, millennials on on kind of the the other side of of the spectrum and more network-based and and movement-based. Not one of them is right or, or wrong, one can really help start and, and spark and the other can really help sustain. So it's a yes and, how do we bring this together? Maybe in a more integrated style, maybe that could lead to more innovative solutions. So another idea, when we're, when we're adapting, we're building on our commonalities, um, we're, we're using yes and rather than yes but thinking. And the third idea is when you have kind of some staunch views coming together. So maybe we have the elongated toilet community and we have the round um, toilet bowl community and, and they both really believe they're right. Um, the, uh, the next idea is, is an, uh, some of Covey's work talks about third alternative, and that's saying, okay, th- your way uh, or my way is first alternative, your way is second alternative. Could there be a third alternative that's not a compromise of just like, oh, let's I'll let go of this and you let go of that and we'll meet in the middle. No, this is, this is saying there's a way that can transcend both of our ways to something that's better than we could ever Imagine. And so it begins by asking, is there a better way? And what does that look like? It's getting diverse people and uh, intergenerational teams together, whiteboarding out, man, we what could this be? You know, Kristen, so many of the, the groups I work with love all of these ideas, but typically the phrase I hear next is, right, but we can never do that because. Well, in this type of thinking, it, no, that's not what, what we look at is we can if. So when we put our aspiration or our goal in the same sentence with the challenges we're facing, what research shows is that pushes us out of path dependency. And when we answer really challenging questions like that, instead of saying we can't do it, we can if, it starts really pushing us to new, um, new types of reality. So it's a model that I've seen work very, very well that when you hit that situation, apply pause, filter, check, step back and adapt. And I think you'll be really pleased with what you see.
0: Well, in just a short time of thinking through those steps, it's had a powerful influence on on my work as an AI provider and and beyond, even working as colleagues with other team members. So thanks for sharing that with the listeners. I hope they, I know they will enjoy thinking about applying it to their work. Uh, I know you mentioned that you have a new book coming out. Would you kind of share a little bit more about its release and maybe some of the information it's going to contain? Yes,
1: you bet. So it's so fun in, in the work that I'm doing. It's Every, every day I'm learning and growing in large part because I get to meet awesome people like you and here and we share together and I think it's one of my greatest joys. So in the past five years of, of starting regenerations and as i've been out listening and learning i've i've seen a couple things happen number one is there's a, a lot more understanding of the topic and in some ways we've talked about generations so much there's a little bit of a fatigue setting in and we've talked about them as, as all of the differences and we're focusing on the differences rather than the great question you asked about inclusion how do we come together How to, how to, how to, how do we do it? That's what this book will be working on. So it will be an expansion of my current book. So you're going to get a snapshot of why, why does this topic matter? I'm a huge believer in framing and stewarding the conversation and insights because when taken out of that frame, it could be used for stereotyping or be misused. So we're gonna frame the topic, get a cheat sheet of understanding each generation, how to connect, relate to them in meaningful ways. Um, we have all brand new Gen Z, insights in the book and in a whole chapter on them I have been I call it going under I have been under plugging in a ton of hours to really understand what we're finding out about Gen Z why and what does it mean And so the whole first book is about generational diversity. The second is inclusion strategies. So how do we move beyond insights into collaboration and innovation, both from an individual perspective and a team perspective? So you're going to find insights to bridge the gaps. You're going to find each chapter will have a tool to try and do it with your team. And my goal is that by the time you finish the book, you'll have some insights and tools um, to really what I call regenerate. And when you look at that word, it talks about um, because. Coming again and and new and better, Um, and so that is my goal. Is that because of the insights each generation brings to the table? I believe we can regenerate our our relationships, our workplace, our communities, and our world. It's beautiful.
0: Is there um, anything else you'd like to share with our listeners today?
1: Oh, can I can I add one more geek out moment? Yes. So yes. so one of the things I've I've learned um, when we look at bridging generational gaps, we, my research partners and I did some really cool research last year on generational diversity by locking same and intergenerational teams in an escape room. If you're oh, familiar with oh. those, and watching yes. like nutty professors from the other side. <laughs> Let me tell you, Kristen, you <laughs> want to learn about human behavior as you um, lock people in a room and just watch. And we saw some really I mean the things we saw were So that research will be releasing this fall. But what I think is really interesting, you know, I love about, what I love about being an entrepreneur is you kind of go in and you think you may find certain things, right? So I'm thinking, oh, this is what will come out on the other side. Not at all. What ended up happening is, A part of the research, which, again, will be coming out this fall, and I'm happy to share how how to get that information. It was so compelling that we flipped it into a training for a company, ran it through their workforce of 600 people. But to to get to the topic of inclusion, when you work with escape games, part of the challenge is it's a one-hour game, it's expensive, busing all your employees back and forth is a real challenge. So out of that that mini pop-up, we made this tabletop game. So it's the same kind of concept, but in a tabletop form. What ended up happening is we we were noting nonverbal changes. We were noticing generational connections happening. The reflection time, which is always the most important, is what did you learn? And when you're doing it in real time, it becomes a, a lot more clear. So we were hearing people say, wow, we we thought we were including this generation, but we kind of left them out and and so it was really driving home a lot of the concepts we were talking about and we measured the learning outcomes and it shifted behavior 68 percent and just won an international award and so what we realized and what realized quickly in, in, in the season it hit me ding 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 the tool to offer uh, to, to really bridge the gaps is, is the game. So, um, on June 10th, we will actually be rolling it out with, with state of Tennessee government is a new uh, game called where there's a will, there's a way out. And so it's a tabletop escape game that I can take out in training with companies so that everyone can play. And to, it, it's, it's, this beautiful story of this, this attorney team and you've, this, amazing Lalana comes to your door. She was a a former heiress and she's in her final years, has no family, but she got a lot of money. So to to find her money and to to get it to the right people, you've got to go back through the decades. So you'll have to learn how to use a card catalog. There may be a tape player and there may be an Instagram account. (laughs) And so ultimately as you're playing and you're playing an escape game, um, you're having to do it utilizing different channels and different perspectives. And all perspectives are going to be necessary to solve this puzzle. And so at the end of it, we're going to get to ask questions like, wow, what if you grew up in a time period like I did, where my dad had the big VHS tape on Christmas or at my dance recitals? How do I transfer that to my future family and on what medium? And likewise, how do we do that as an institution with this this knowledge that we've developed? How do we transfer it? and and store it so that we can pass along legacy both individually and as as organizations from generation to generation.
0: Wow. That is very exciting. I'm so excited about the book and the tabletop game and um so appreciative of your time jessica on behalf of teis and triad we want you to know how much we appreciate your time and talents your passion and creativity in helping us understand the generational factors influencing every sphere of our lives especially our roles as early intervention providers has strengthened our state and we are very grateful Thank you for your time. Thank
1: you so much. Appreciate your work so much. And I'm cheering for you. I'm proud of you. And I'm so honored to be a part of this podcast and a part of this conference.